Welcome to Think Digital Futures. I'm Shane Anderson. This episode is all about two words. Buzzwords that represent the new opportunities that have opened up in the technological revolution. A profession at the forefront of the information wave. This episode is all about... The data... Data... Data science... 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 Sciences... In 2012, the Harvard Business Review called data science the sexiest job of the century. That's a pretty big call for a profession that's only been around for the past 10 or so years. The stereotype of the smart Silicon Valley innovator has captured the imagination of, well, at the very least, the editors of the Harvard Business Review. But the growing interest in data scientists themselves matches increasing demand for their services across IT, health, government, pretty much every industry. It's estimated Australia is going to need around 15,000 data scientists in the coming years as we look for new ways to extract knowledge from information. But are they doing their job a little too well? One of the world's leading research and consultancy firms, Gartner, recently predicted that by the year 2020, 40% of data science will be automated. As data scientists develop faster and more efficient ways to analyse information, will we even need them anymore? Will the masters of automation eventually automate their own role? Could data scientists actually innovate themselves out of a job? But first, we need to zoom out a little bit. We talk about all the incredible applications for data a lot on this show. But if we're going to understand where data science as a field is going, we have to understand a little bit more about what it is data scientists actually do. So welcome to Data Science 101. The first thing you learn about data science is that there's no set definition of what it actually is or who can be one. Database and cloud computing, mobile computing, Internet of Things, artificial intelligence, machine learning, put together as called data science. This is Cheng Shi Zhang, the executive director of data science at the University of Technology, Sydney. He says that at its core, data science is multidisciplinary. It draws on other fields and it sprung up only as a response to the rapid innovations in data collection. New technology will be much faster than before, beyond our imagination, and we need to be prepared to adapt the new technology. New university degrees promising data science qualifications are popping up all the time. But still, there's no typical data science skill set, and they tend to come from a bunch of different academic backgrounds, like Cheng Shi, whose original research is in artificial intelligence. My original research is from artificial intelligence. Until now, I have done 35 years research. In the last 10 years, data science become greatly popular because in our days, everywhere collect a lot of data and uh, they have a lot of value. So now we've got a basic definition for what data science is and where data scientists come from. But when it comes to how you actually do the science, things get a little tricky. Let's just say it's been a long time since my year 10 computing classes and I don't know how to code. So I spoke to someone who does. Michael Blumenstein, Associate Dean in Research Strategy and Management at UTS, all around data whiz and a regular guest on the show. First off, I wanted to maybe throw you a bit of a curveball. So the Harvard Business Review called data science the sexiest job of the century. (laughs) Why do you think that is? The reason that Harvard does that is that it's basically the future of technological advancement. Data is at the heart of everything nowadays. I mean, it's just such a a sexy area. You know, data is power. So it's great to be at the center of that. 
It's said that data is everywhere, because in theory, anything can become a piece of information in a data set. For example, your web browsing history or the things you buy in your credit card. But in reality, Michael reckons this saying isn't necessarily true, and most data scientists get information from only a handful of different sources. There are a lot of initiatives around the world, in Australia and even in New South Wales, looking at what's called open data. You know, So it's where government agencies, for example, provide access for their citizens to download data sets that they collect or have collected over time. There's also the federal government initiative for open data, and that, that basically looks at federal data that's available that anyone can use and play with. Open data and government data are common places to get information from. But the holy grail here is commercial data, and that's not so easy to access. But the challenge is, I suppose, when you're looking at commercial data, companies all around the world are collecting data about us, Google, phone companies, you name it. Um, You can't readily get that information, and so usually you have to enter into some sort of collaboration or, or there's some sort of benefit for it. So now we've got our data set. This is basically a whole lot of information, with each individual bit called a data point. Depending on what we're looking at, this data set could have billions of data points all waiting to be analysed. So how do we even begin to sort through such a massive amount of information? Well, the job of the data scientist is to figure out the right questions to ask of it. They need to manipulate it. If you have never done it before, (laughs) then it's a bit of a challenge. You do need some basic skills in using whether it's using packages or computing programs of some variety. But if you look at the day in the life of a data scientist, they have to take the data, they have to clean it, they have to put it in a format that's usable. And then once you've got the data, then you have to manipulate it. The essential first step in manipulation is to clean the data. This just means you're making sure you've got all the right data in front of you. So when you ask your questions, you get an accurate answer. When you use the data for, say, prediction, and usually what you use to do that is some sort of classification technique or algorithm that can understand the variables and produce some sort of meaningful output. Sometimes if you don't have the right data in the right format, the the, the classifier won't work. A good example of how this might work is data collected from sensors in a building. We're currently seeing the rise of smart buildings, that is, buildings with a multitude of sensors that a data scientist could analyse to find out something specific about the way people use a particular space. We all have sensors around us, whether it's monitoring, you know, temperature, air quality. It has all of those. But, you know, as I said, sometimes things fail or intermittently don't provide all the information that you're looking for over a period of time for whatever reason through an anomaly. If you've got gaps or if you've got things missing, someone has to actually sit down and clean that data so it's actually usable. All right, so now we've got the data set and it's been cleaned of any mistakes or hiccups that might interfere with the results. Now a data scientist's job is to ask it a question. You can do this manually, by going through the data yourself, maybe with a magnifying glass and a lot of time on your hands. But this painstaking process has luckily been automated, and this is through the development of algorithms. There's an infinite amount of algorithms, and scientists are constantly improving upon them and adding more to the list. It's up to the scientists to find the correct algorithm, and this differs depending on your project. Personally, I've, I've done a lot of work in the area of flood prediction using data that's collected from sensors, from Bureau of Meteorology and so forth. So the answer you're trying to find there is, you know, for example, from a whole bunch of past data, how can I predict a flood, even one that's a flash flood potentially, using the data I'm collecting over a large period of time? Um, so in the context of that, you're looking for what is the standard, what is the norm, and then what are the signs in the data of peaks or strange things that come about that could be indicators of a flood. 
With Michael's flood detection data, the best algorithm to use in this case is called anomaly detection. It's looking for anomalies that will trigger some response. You know, when you talk about anomaly detection, you're looking for a specific thing. So these algorithms do crop up a lot in our day-to-day lives. Say you get a call from the bank and they're telling you they've detected unusual activity in your account, a withdrawal from a foreign country, or you took a couple of hundred out from an ATM that you've never been to before. It's an anomaly detection algorithm that picks that up. In fact, flood detection and scanning your bank statements are just a few of the ways an anomaly detection algorithm can prove very useful. For example, a hot topic at the moment is in cybersecurity. How can you get an algorithm to look at anomalies in, the, in say, network communication that will give you a clue that something bad's about to happen? Again, you, you need an algorithm that learns from the past and can predict the future. Data scientists have turned what could be an excruciating process of scanning through reams of data into an automated algorithm that can do what you want at the click of a button. This is basic, basic data science 101, but now we know a little bit more about how data analysis works. It's a little easier to see where Gartner might be coming from when they say that robots are taking over the field. If your job description is to essentially find ways to do your job faster, more accurately, and with as less human interference as possible, maybe you could be automated. But does this necessarily mean they'll become obsolete? Now we've looked at the nuts and bolts of data science. After the break, I'm going to be stepping out and having a look at what data science looks like in the wild. Welcome back to Think Digital Futures. The field of data science is at the vanguard of the technological revolution. But according to research by Gartner, nearly half of data science will be automated in the next few years. Could data scientists be so good at their job they're on the path to automating themselves? I'm out in Sydney's CBD, the native habitat of the data scientist. There's an estimated 2,500 working in Australia today. And I'm here to meet one of them. Um, So Anthony Tocca, senior data scientist at CB Consulting. Anthony's journey to becoming a data scientist is fairly typical of the industry, meaning it's not really typical at all. I don't know if there is a traditional route for data science, but my route was through the actuarial profession. So I did a Bachelor of Commerce in Actuarial Studies and then qualified as an actuary and then shifted career to data science. So I ended up doing a Master's of Analytics. When you're at the pub and someone asks you, what do you do? How do you describe your job? The way that I would define it is a data scientist is someone who gets insights out of data. There's a running joke that, you know, if you work in statistics or analytics or you know, anything with maths or physics or anything in the sciences, if you just change your LinkedIn profile to data scientist, you'll suddenly 
suddenly get a whole lot of recruiters contact you um, without necessarily knowing why. Unlike Michael and Cheng Shi, Anthony's role in a consulting company means his working day plays out a little differently. In fact, there's a theory from a guy called Michael Hoster, head of research at Pandora, the music company. He reckons you can divide data scientists into two types, A and B. I think I defined as a type A, which means that I'm more of a consultant, more of a business person, and try to bridge the gap between the hard science and business. Whereas the type B data scientist might be one who kind of builds the algorithms, builds the software, builds the products, and you know are very technically sound to be able to do that in a statistically valid way. For Anthony, it's the job of a data scientist to automate, but it's just as important to stay ahead of the field. It's also changing so quickly. So technologies that I built my early career on are now obsolete. There's others which you know I might have used six months ago that have been updated. So I need to be across what those changes are if I want to use them going forward. So you've got to be kind of on the ball a little bit. Anthony's role happens to be embedded in a business, but not all data science work happens within a corporation. While data science may essentially be a tool, data scientists do have some agency to choose their own projects. And this isn't so easy to automate. Anthony helps run a group called the Minerva Collective. It's made up of a bunch of data scientists who meet up to work on projects that can create social change. So the Minerva Collective is a foundation that we've set up to use data science for social good and use data exchange. So we're very closely partnered with Data Republic, who are a data exchange platform, which allows us to bring in corporate data and some other data sources to analyse problems from a social good perspective. It's early days yet for the collective, but already they're taking the initiative to use data not just to be a tool for a bigger project, but to identify problems and find solutions that can actually change people's lives. Westpac are now backing us to drive a violence against women initiative using financial data, looking at ways in which domestic violence can be reduced, how the bank can pick that up in the data and then offer better customer care, for example, uh, to victims of domestic violence. There's a few different groups we've been involved with from a number of different angles around that, so apps for perpetrators. Unfortunately, I can't kind of talk through any of our solutions in a huge amount of detail, but there's a lot happening there. Data science is a dynamic and constantly changing field. Because our data sets grow and grow, the role of a data scientist is evolving with it. It's becoming more complex, but does this mean it's also becoming more irrelevant? Michael, for one, isn't so sure he'll be out of work in the next three years. Certainly data scientists at the moment are the hottest commodity in any company, in any firm, in any consultancy, in any startup. You need that because a lot of the stuff that's innovative is data-driven. You will not see a fully automated data science process by 2020. In fact, by that time, it'll be probably at its peak. In fact, Michael doesn't see much of a difference between data science and other innovations that have changed the way society works. Agriculture as a field, when humans were toiling the soil, were then replaced by machines. The Industrial Revolution and the use of automated processes to replace workers there, there's a trend there. You you can see it in history. So yeah, there could be a point where even data sciences themselves will be replaced by some sort of automated process. So if data science isn't about to go bust... Where is the field actually heading? Well, Anthony's aim is to build a bigger community of data scientists who can work together on projects like the Minerva Collective and get a sharper understanding of what they can all achieve. Well, hopefully there'll be a better definition of what a data scientist is and the term data science. I think just a better understanding of the term and probably a a bit of a breakdown into the key types of data scientists will help business understand better what we do and will help data scientists also better shape their own careers. Cheng Chi is also sceptical that data scientists will become obsolete. 
but he does think there is a huge potential for AI to expand in this area. That could happen, but that take a long time. Probably this is one of the last job will be replaced, but not very early. But people will be reduced because artificial intelligence will replace a lot of jobs in the very fast pace. Actually, when you think about it, it's probably a pretty good time to be getting into data science. You've been listening to Think Digital Futures. This show is produced with the support of the University of Technology, Sydney. For more info, head to 2scr.com slash thinkdigitalfutures. If you like what you hear, tell a friend and rate and review us on iTunes. I'm Shane Anderson. Bye for now.